there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. So welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast. I am just thrilled to be back behind the mic. And I've done like four, this is my fourth interview since Friday. So it's Monday, January 7th, and things are getting back in the rule of things. So, um, and I have a super guest who like, I just reached out to recently and she's on already. I know you're going to be inspired. She's going to drop tons of golden seeds. She was recommended by a different guest um, because I think it was... um, down in Colorado from the growing spaces, he was talking about their partnership with you. Um, that be um, they build the geodesic domes, and he was talking about you were one of the, his favorite charities. And so, from the Whole Kids Foundation, uh, where they build school gardens and they have school programs, and for teaching kids about healthy food, here to join us today is Nona Evans. So, welcome to the show, Nona. Jackie, thank you so much. It's always so much fun to see where those seeds that you sprinkle about germinate. So it's it's fun to know how, how we connected, and I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you, and just thank you so much. Like, you reached back to me and said you checked out the podcast and just thought it was the perfect opportunity. So I know it's just going to be a great hit. So why don't you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and what the Whole Kids Foundation is, because I had never even heard of it. Well, that's not unusual. We are, uh, on the order of things, a a pretty moderate-sized nonprofit organization. Uh, We are Whole Kids Foundation, and our mission in the world is to improve children's nutrition because we know that when kids are well-nourished, they learn better and they have the opportunity to reach their greatest potential. So that's the work we do, and we've really found three ways that we are capable of improving children's nutrition. One is by providing salad bar equipment for schools, because we know the moment you put a salad bar in, kids have the power of choice. And when they can choose the fresh fruits and veggies that they want, they eat them. The second is to support school gardens, which is how we got connected. So we have the the honor and the pleasure of having supported nearly 5,000 school gardens across the US, the UK, and Canada. Because we know that when kids are connected to the roots of their food, they make better food choices. And the secret that I always love to tell people is it's not just kids, it's us adults too. The moment we start gardening and understanding what the magic of a seed can do, uh, we all make better food choices. So it's, uh, it's a thrill to get to do this work. Personally, I'm a foodie. I've worked in the food business my whole entire life. And I didn't meet real vegetables until I was well into my 20s. So that's that's where my passion comes from. That's why I think that the kids really need to know that, that fresh food comes from a garden and not a box or a can. So I just have to ask, you sound so young. Are you a rock star millennial? Like, is were you born between 1980 and 95? That's kind of what I go by. I don't. I was not. I am much, much older than that. So I, uh, I spent... Uh, the first 15 years of my career working in conventional grocery stores. And, and I love food, so it was a natural place to, to be. And, uh, and then the last 19 years I have spent at Whole Foods Market. So that'll give you a clue. I, I am uh, closer to retirement than anything. <laughs> well, you sure sound young. So, so is Whole Kids is part of like Whole Foods or it's separate or do they sponsor yeah. it? Or are they relate like... 
Yes, great question. So uh, I have worked for Whole Foods Market for almost 20 years. And uh, back in 2011, the company decided to start a new foundation. It's something that Whole Foods Market does. And that's where Whole Kids Foundation came from. So we are we were founded by Whole Foods Market. We are an independent nonprofit organization. So we're not connected in that way with Whole Foods now. Their ongoing gift to us, which is just amazing, is that they provide the funds for our administrative budget. So I'm not raising money for pens and pencils. Every dollar that we raise goes directly to schools and programming. So it's it's a really amazing gift and, and a wonderful thing that Whole Foods has done. And we have, uh, we have work in every market where there is a Whole Foods market and in hundreds and hundreds of other places that really need this kind of support. So I have a question about like what's salad bar equipment, like knives for the cooks or like yeah. those like little salad bar, you know, the actual bar itself with the plastic shields and the trays for the food. Like we, uh, this fruit and salad bar was huge hits at the schools I worked at. Yeah, you bet. So, so we've learned over the almost 10 years that we've been supporting salad bars there's, there's one particular model of salad bar that works really, really well in elementary, middle, and high school. And it's, it's a, a plastic model that's really, really durable, that has uh, chill pads to keep the food really cold and safe, um, and is super flexible. So I always you know talk about, generally you'll find the salad bar in the cafeteria, which later becomes the gymnasium, which can also be the theater. So they fold up and they roll out of the way when they need to. So we provide the equipment, and you're absolutely right. That's the, the salad bar unit, the pans, the tongs, the knives for cutting up fresh vegetables. But probably more importantly, we provide the training. So if anybody is interested, they can check out thelunchbox.org. It's a website that houses a, an amazing array of free tools that any school can use to improve their school lunch program. So you know, I come from the grocery store and I always tell people, you know, if you imagine that maybe I work in, in the supplement area or the area that has all of the bath and body pro products, that uh, if tomorrow I had to go and lead the prepared foods department with all of the really scrumptious recipes that are ready to eat, that's what the lunchbox does, is it takes a school that has never uh, cooked or prepped any food and gives them all of the skills and know-how and support that they need to be able to do that successfully. Ooh. Uh, but that's done by like the school cooks, not the students, right? Oh goodness. You know, in all of the schools that we have supported, there's as many models as you can imagine. Generally, yes, we do work with uh, school district food service departments to implement the salad bars. And, and yes, the, the same cafeteria staff that, uh, you know, serve school lunch today can supply and support and serve the salad bar. Uh, but there are an amazing number of schools that are using another toolkit that we put together to grow food at their school and then have it served in their cafeteria. One of my favorite projects to talk about is called Farm Lab. It's in Encinitas, California. It's the first organic school farm in the nation. And they are on about nine acres growing crops that uh, then go to their high school kitchen. 
and are turned into recipes for their school food programs. So the entire range is happening and it's just thrilling to get to watch. Oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, Farm Lab. Well, I'll definitely have to look that up. Well, so I do always kind of start the show, Nona, asking about like your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Like, who were you with and what did you grow? Like, what was your very first gardening experience? I think that's a great question. You know, I'm certain that I had some early gardening experiences, but the, the one that was really um, important to where I am now is, is I married a lovely fellow whose family were German farmers. And he uh, always tells the story that in middle school, he bought a copy of the square foot garden book. And he put a paper cover on it that said biology because he didn't want anybody to know he was actually reading about gardening. So he inspired me. We had our, our first modest backyard garden together. In fact, uh, one of our favorite uh, uh, reuse activities is the day after election day, we would go pick up all of the election signs on their wooden stakes and then use those for our tomatoes. So we were crafty back then. Wow. That is crafty and using some recycling, though. And oh, but they were glad because then they didn't have to go pick up the signs themselves. We we like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, my next question is usually how did you learn to grow garden organically? But do you sure. want to talk about like your, you know, how you got interested in working for Whole Foods and like going from a grocery store to Whole Foods or any of that or whatever you want to <laughs> share? You know, because I've always loved food, I think that the the nature of organics was, was always second nature for me. So in my gardening, you know, I never used pesticides, but, but boy, there's so much more to organic gardening than just not using pesticides. You know, the thing that I've come to find is that um, time and, and travel for me, because I travel extensively, I get to see other people's practices, you know, tuning into something like this podcast, and, and then just trial and error have really taught me most of, of what I know about gardening organically. There's so many different natural solutions that depending on the climate that we live in and, and you know, Mother Nature that can work. I think two of my favorites, um, because we get to garden at Whole Kids with people from all over the, the country, and, and sometimes we bring them to Texas for an experience, I didn't realize that not everywhere has fire ants. So now anytime we do a, a volunteer project, I'm always sure to tell people, watch for fire ants. They are really challenging. But I didn't know that cayenne pepper can relocate them very, very effectively. So I always keep a, a, a big carafe of cayenne pepper in my garden. Um, and I battled snails for a couple of seasons, and I tried to do it, you know, humanely. And finally, somebody told me about a beer trap, and uh, that was a, a really good organic gardening discovery. I want to hear a little more about the cayenne pepper, because those fire ants is like one of the few things on my show that people have said, you know, can just like, you know, prevent them from gardening at all or make it really difficult like um jenny jackson down in mississippi was somebody who talked about it and especially they have like new young baby i think they just had their second child if i'm correct uh and they're like a family farm and yeah. so how do you use the cayenne pepper like and that's so interesting that fire ants like do you kind of like do they like it or they don't like it and so if you put it around your plants they won't go there or 
they they don't like it. And and I'm not sure that I can say that it would work on on something the scale of a farm. But for my backyard, you know, I've got probably 200 square feet. Um, it, it will relocate them. So if you're pretty diligent in your garden, like when I see, you know, often I'll see them crop up in the corner of my basil bed or something like that. Um, and I'll just sprinkle a little bit of cayenne and they move. And generally with a couple of applications, I can get them to move out of the garden and go somewhere else. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah, that has been my experience. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a good old grocery girl, so it's pretty cost effective. The return on investment is high. Well, that's even better yet. So do you want to tell us about something that grew well this year then, speaking of your garden? Well, yeah, you know, and it's so funny. I think as a, you know, as a multi-year gardener, the the adage that I have learned is just because it grew well this year doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, oddly, the thing that did the best this past season for me was kale. And I've always had, a, you know, kale in some form or fashion but I actually planted from seed in 2017. And then here in Texas, that fall, we had the horrible Hurricane Harvey that blew through. And I had this beautiful kale forest that just got blown over. So all of my beautiful tall kale plants were literally laying on the soil. And I travel a lot, so all I could do was, was wish them well. And lo and behold, out of that crazy situation, another kale forest sprouted. They just, they decided to grow back up toward the sun. So I had the, the same kale forest for about two years and, and uh, it just did amazingly well. So well that I let it go to seed and decided I was gonna save the seeds. So I think I have probably enough kale seed for at least two acres. If, if you've never saved kale seed, it is a commitment. They are teeny, teeny, tiny in little pods, and uh, wow, is it time intense. Huh, well, that's awesome. Uh, I grew kale last year, and then I just let it to go to seed in the space that it was in. Yeah, and that worked right kind of good, but that's good to know. I know I love those pretty yellow flowers that it makes, and like I was putting them in all sorts of bouquets last year, and my husband was kind of laughing at me. Well, uh, but if we were actually going to save seed, it's pretty time consuming, huh? That's good is, to know. It is. You know, I will I will relish every time I get to pay three or four dollars for a great packet of kale seeds. Now, did, did you know that those kale seeds are actually a delicacy? Uh, many restaurants are buying them at a premium for their dishes there. And, and they do taste just like kale. They're amazing. No, that's a great golden seed for listeners or somebody maybe who's interested in, you know, finding a new market or having a delicacy. So they like roast the seeds themselves? Oh, not the seeds, the flowers. Yes, oh. those beautiful yellow flowers are, are not only edible, but, but they are in high demand. Well, that might be something to try. I just fell in love with kale last year. Like so many of my guests have talked about it and I've never been a big kale eater because I don't really like that curly kale as much. Although sure. I did find that the one that came back in the spring that was still like growing from the winter before was so sweet and tender in the very beginning of the spring. But last year I grew that Lucinto kale and I don't know, it was just amazing. And they say it's so much healthier for you. You know, it's got like four times the calcium or yeah. you know, more vitamin A, like all these extra vitamins. So I just fell in love with kale last year. Well, I will send you some great recipes. That is my favorite variety as well. 
Awesome. Uh, so is there something you're excited to try different or new next year? Oh, there's two things. I've, you know, for a couple of years now, I have always wanted to try and grow amaranth. I just think it is so amazingly beautiful and talk about health value. It's just so good for you. So uh, I, I'm not sure because it's so beautiful, if any of it would ever make it to my table, but I sure would enjoy it in arrangements and, and just seeing it in the garden. The other thing I'm really excited about, I don't know if you have met the folks at Row 7 Seeds. No. It's a new group that was started by Chef Dan Barber out of New York. So he has um, Stone Barns, the amazing restaurant, and many others. But he is really passionate that um, because we have cultivated crops for their shipability and um, longevity, that, that we've lost a lot of flavor. So Row 7 Seeds is all about cultivating varieties that are just about flavor. So they might look funny and they might not ship all the way across the country that well, but they're really amazing flavors. So uh, he's got some, some beets and some peppers that I'm just so anxious to put in the ground and see how they do. Oh, I'm going to try to get a hold of him and see if he will do an interview with me because I really tried last year to talk to as many chefs as I could that were into like farm to table and was not as successful as I would have liked to have been. So I'm going to see if I can reach out to him. I will uh, introduce you to Kate at Row 7. She is amazing. Oh, cool. Uh, so how about something... We, I was going to say something about I was going to say something about your amaranth. I've had a hard time growing amaranth, but one thing about amaranth, right, is that I believe it's a cover crop that's really good for your soil. So even if you don't yeah. harvest it, it brings in. It's so beautiful, like you said. I do have pictures of our garden where it did grow one year, and I got those beautiful, like dark red, feathery things. Yeah. But I know I have struggled with it in the past. So, um, and then beets and peppers; those sound good. So how about something that didn't work so well? Well, you know, I think what I have learned over over more seasons of gardening than I care to admit is I always wind up planting something that is just for the benefit of uh, my garden friends. You know, sometimes it's the dill that I plant that is just for the monarch butterflies and I never get to eat any of it. This past year, it was my chard and I do so well with chard because I, you know, I try and keep up with my soil and our climate here is just right. But last year's chard apparently was just for the snails. That could be tough. I love chard. I had so much chard last year between chard and kale. Like I didn't, I don't think I bought a salad from August till November. Oh. It was just great. I just, and what I love about rainbow chard is like, I'll eat it instead of celery. Yes. Like those big stems. So, but you ended up having snail problems last year. Yeah. You know, that was, that was the thing that, that I was like, okay, you guys have the shards, stay off everything else and, and we're good. It's, it's a symbiosis. Sure. Uh, I love the attitude about it too. So I'm glad that you felt like it wasn't such a big loss or just compelled that you had to get rid of the snails or, um, that you just kind of like sacrificed the chard for them that year. That's a great attitude. We can, we can grow something for our, our friends of nature. Before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. Join us for the fourth annual Free the Seeds Fair, Saturday, March 2nd, 9 to 3.30 at the Flathead Valley Community College Arts and Technology Building in Kalispell. 
As always, we'll be offering a free seed swap, 30 booths, and over 20 workshops of information and free resources just for you. And for kids ages 8 and up, we'll have activities all day long. So come on down, get some growing on, and it's free. Freegardencourse.com uh, Mike and I have developed some lessons to help you create your very own organic oasis. We'll guide you through the steps to build your perfect natural landscape, an edible earth-friendly yard, a sustainable deep bed garden, or even start a pro small profitable market farm. We'll show you how to save time, lower your produce bill, collect usable data, eat healthy nutritious food with minimal labor, um, use the most effective and efficient production methods currently being used in backyard gardens as well as market farms, and maybe even help you find some profitable markets. We've designed it to save you time, lower your produce bill, and help you eat healthy, nutritious food. Um, there's checklists, there's outside reading, video assignments. Uh, you can join the online Facebook community where there's lots of people from around the world to help you get your garden started today. So remember, freegardencourse.com. And now let's get to the root of things. So this is actually the part where I talk called getting to the root of things. It's kind of like a lightning round in other podcasts. So do you have like a least favorite activity to do in the garden that you got to kind of force yourself to get out there and do? You know what I'm terrible at is thinning. I right. absolutely can't do it. Therefore, my, my roots are always a mess. Uh, I am like one of my goals I'm putting in for 2019 is to actually build some of that um, seed tape where you like take yes. like, strips of newspaper and just like a flower water and carrot seeds and spread them out and see if that's going to help me reduce oh. the thinning and the same with the beets. I can't wait to know if it works. Yeah, I made some like a couple of years ago at a seed fair. Like they had like an activity there yeah. that you could try it, but then I never planted any and I've never made it on my own. And I'm like the paper mache girl of the century. Like oh. I'm always ripping up paper and have flour and water. So I am definitely like that okay. is one of my main goals this year. So I will report back to you on how that works because I know thinning is tough. And then last year I tried to like transplant beets that I was thinning and that did not really work. They didn't, they kind of grew on top, but they yeah. didn't form beets on the bottom. I've only, only had success with that once and everybody thought it was crazy. So the beet greens were still good, but I had so many greens last year. I couldn't really eat beet <laughs> greens and kale greens and Swiss chard greens. So uh, what I'm going to try next, um, because I always have more kale than my entire neighborhood can eat <laughs> is, um, so now kale powder is a thing. So you can sure. dehydrate the kale and then turn it into a powder with your blender or food processor and then add it back to recipes. So I can't wait to try that. Ooh, that is a great idea and a way to kind of sneak it into some people who maybe don't want to eat That's exactly kale. Right. How about what's your favorite activity to do in the garden then on the flip side? Like, what do you love out there? Oh, you know, I love soil prep. I just think hands in the soil is uh, one of the most affordable forms of therapy ever. And I love planting because there's just so much possibility and hope that comes from putting a seed in the soil. Aww. I love transplanting. For me, transplanting is a real thing because it's like all of a sudden you have instant garden. Like yeah. I love to go get the starts and put them in the ground. And and then sometimes the growing from seed takes a little long for me. I get kind of on the impatient side. But I just love that, like you said, like when you have that gardens growing and you can feel it. Uh, so what's the Do you have like any gardening advice that you could share with us that's like the best gardening advice you ever received? 
You know, I think that the best thing that somebody ever told me was that when you're talking about gardening, there is simply no such thing as failure. It's just Mother Nature teaching us lessons. Well, I always say failures are the stepping stones to success. And I yes. think you're right in gardening. It's true because it seems like it doesn't matter, even though it takes the longest time, like in the middle of July or June, I'll be like, oh, this is what I got to try next year. And I know I'm going to be successful next year. And it's almost like that. You can't wait to like start it when something doesn't work. Uh, it can become a quest. Yes. I, I will admit to that. <laughs> How about a favorite tool that you like to use? Like if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? You know, it would absolutely be my pruners and my gloves. And I know that's two. But the, the most interesting thing that I discovered this year, so, so I started beekeeping this year. Oh. And I use latex gloves um, <laughs> just because they're, they're you have much more dexterity when you're doing an inspection. But often I would do an inspection and then go straight to the garden and latex gloves in the garden are awesome because you do have so much more dexterity. Well, I'm a total gloves girl, but I usually use those like cloth ones. So I might have to try some latex type ones. And my I... mom got me pruners last year that are just yeah. made everything in the garden so much more fun. I, it's so funny. Those are, are my pride and joy. Like they stay in a special spot. Nobody touches them. And if they move, it's panic. <laughs> what kind of pruners do you have? Do you know? Is it like a special brand? Or? You know what? I think I, I have two pairs. I think my favorite are Fiskars. Yep. Uh, my mom got me a pair of these cool Cutco ones for Christmas last year. So I'm in like coming up with like, I want to put a mailbox or something that will keep them rust, you know, rust proof that yes. they won't get wet down in my garden so that they're just down there all I'll the time. Next That's year. a great idea. Uh, yeah, and then my husband actually even got me like a um, like a newspaper tube thing to decorate that I was maybe going to put down there. I just have to get on top of it. But yeah, I think because even though, I mean, it's just a little hill, I just, I think it will, having them down there will make me more likely to use them more often. And I think that will make my whole garden bloom more and more deadheading getting done and just different things, cleaning things, getting more air through things. Um, I think that will help a lot. So speaking of kale and yummy things from the garden, do you have a favorite recipe you like to cook? Oh, you know what? I, I have so many favorite recipes. You know, if, if I couldn't grow basil and make pesto, I think I might perish. So, so that would definitely be on the list. Um, I, uh, I have a, a recipe I do that my kids call Mama, Mama Nona's marinara. So, you know, roasted tomatoes and lots of herbs from the garden. Um, probably the, the, most fun I've had is, you know, I, I always grow way too much. So I share with all my neighbors and I, I actually started planting fresh herbs in my front yard and inviting the neighbors just to come and help themselves. So oh, wow. I, I love to, to hear about what other people make from, from whatever it is they, they forage from the garden. That's an awesome idea. And just what a great way to meet your neighbors and just have, um, share your abundance in an easy way. Cause that's always kind of a challenge to me. Like sometimes I'm like, I wish somebody would just come pick some stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Turned and, out we had a, a neighbor who was a chef and he, he always felt shy about asking if he could come in the backyard and pick some herbs. I'm like, I'm just going to plant them in front for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. My mom used to always have a rock garden with herbs in the front of her yard, but I don't think anybody ever came over and asked what she was growing or about picking it. But 
That's awesome. That's a great way to connect with your neighbors. I've had other guests that have talked about it, like um, David uh, Schmetterling down in Missoula talks about it. And like the Penny Royal uh, in Kalispell near me in this little town, there was this place called the Penny Royal Collective. And they even had like little signs in their garden. And they would encourage people to walk through. And once a week they would have a potluck and people would share what they were growing. And I just think that's a really fun environment to live in. There's so much that comes uh, comes possible when you enjoy one another's company and food yeah how about do you have a favorite internet resource or is there anywhere you like to surf on the web oh you know i do um yeah i think pinterest is is maybe one of my favorites at the moment just because you, it's sort of like a uh oh what do you call it uh uh, a wheel of fortune. You never know what you're going to find. And, and I've made some really good discoveries. I also really love uh, here in, in Texas, we have a, a local expert. His name, name is John Dromgoel, and he has the natural gardener. So I, I turn to him a lot just because it's climate relevant and, and really works with our zone. Oh, I have to look him up because I have a lot of listeners in Texas. So maybe he'll want to do um, an interview with me. How about a favorite reading material, like a magazine or a blog or a book or anything that you can recommend? Oh, you know, I'll read any gardening book I can get my hands on. I travel a ton, so I always love to look at the magazine rack at the airport because there are things I haven't seen. But the thing that I wait for most is the High Mowing Organic Seed Catalog. Because um, I feel like it's, it's for me, that's like... Uh, you know, one of those women's glossies with all the, the clothes. I don't do that. It's the seed catalog. I can't wait to see what other people are growing. Yeah, and that's a great one. And they just have lots of information, I think, about also, like, how to plan things and and good, you know, different um, heirloom and different uh, seeds that you maybe you wouldn't normally get. And that's something we really got into more of last year was, like, getting – um, different varieties and actually ordering. So I'm notorious for like procrastinating and then just going to the store because Mike's like, well, we got to have these seeds today because it's, you know, should have put them in the ground already. And so ordering seed catalogs is um, definitely a better way to go for sure. So do you have any advice for listeners on like, maybe like you want to talk about like if somebody wanted to see about getting like a, program in their school like some steps for being successful for working with the schools because I know that can be a challenge for sure as an educator and someone who um, I even ran the garden club and had a hard time at one of my schools when you or just seemed like there's never enough time to do it all and there's a lot of people you have to get on board and like what I really want to see in the schools is more composting of all that food in the salad bar Absolutely. Um, There's so much opportunity. So probably the first thing I would say is is if you either want to see a school near you uh, get into gardening or support a school that's gardening or or if you as a gardener interested in in supporting, um, check out the wholekidsfoundation.org website. We actually have a map on our website of every school we've supported. So you can put in your address or your zip code and see if there's a school near you. Um, or or call your local school or visit and see what their interests are. You know, I think the um, the thing that is most important that we found is campus support. So when we uh, request or, or accept applications from schools, we always look for a letter of support from the principal 
because very often it can be an enthusiastic parent or even a teacher that starts a garden. But if it's if if the effort is not supported by the entire campus, that's where it can be difficult. Past that, we have lots and lots of resources depending on where your school is geographically or or even in their gardening efforts. So um, check out our website and just email us. We love to have dialogues. Oh, cool. Okay. So, gosh, we're already at my final question. Well, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about or mention? Well, you know, I think um, you had a question about what happens if you grow too much uh, of anything. Okay. And, um, you know, I, quite by happenstance, because I, I don't know, I, I'm really good at growing herbs, and I just can't stand for them to go to waste. Uh, so one day on a whim, I picked a big bundle of herbs and took it to one of my favorite coffee shops that has a little cafe and, um, and just gifted them, you know, to, to the, the cafe. The people that work there loved it. A couple of them made it into recipes, and I got a free coffee. So I always love to use, use the extra to, to make some kindness in the world. Um, so I always think that's fun. Um, you know, as far as what else we haven't talked about, um, you know, it, it's taken me a bit to understand this, but as a gardener, um, the, the fate of our friends, the pollinators, are really important. You know, one out of every three bites of food that we eat is thanks to a pollinator. And, and for those of us that love to grow food, we have to have those little uh, hardworking folks in our garden. So uh, one of the other things that, that Whole Kids Foundation started doing a couple of years ago was funding beehives for schools. Because our pollinator friends, especially honeybees, have so much to teach all of us, but especially our kids, about being better friends of the environment and being better consumers. So if, if you're a gardener and you haven't gotten curious about, about bees yet, that's sort of what I would, would uh, encourage you to do. There are some great bee forums um, on Facebook and all the other social media. And I will tell you, uh, we made the leap last spring and put, put a few hives in our backyard and my garden harvest is thankful for it. You're the second person that said that in like two days this week that they put in two hives and that was huge. My husband and our struggle is like we've we've I think we've bought five different hives at this point and um I don't know with either like one year they did really good and we got a lot of honey and the first year we got a lot of honey and then they didn't make it through the winter. And then one year they we got new ones and then they swarmed like crazy. And do you have any anything that like a beginner's suggestion for being successful? Because it can be really expensive. And we have the hive sitting here and just I'm just wondering what we could do to be more successful beekeepers. Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot like gardening. There are a lot of lessons that are sometimes hard learned. And, and we've had lots of experiences. Granted, we, this is our first winter, and we're in Texas, so it's a little laughable. It's, I think, 76 degrees today. So uh, over overwintering is not our challenge. I'm not sure I would be successful if we had to deal with the snow and all of those sorts of things. Um, you know, well, I, don't I think, think it's the frost that's killed them. Yeah. I think it's something else that killed them. I think having a good bee mentor, you know, somebody that sure. you you can you can collaborate with and ask questions and. I, I love there's a, a women in beekeeping forum on Facebook and it's just such a supportive space. You know, the same same question can get asked a dozen times and, and there's always an answer or a different perspective. So I think, you know, surround yourself with people that are passionate and 
And again, it's nature. You know, we don't control it. What we do is we learn from it. Um, and, and you do learn, you know, we've started to learn what the swarming behaviors are. And, uh, you know, we've, we've put some swarm traps up so that, that if your hive does decide to swarm, hopefully they'll go to your trap and not trap, it's a, a swarm box, um, you know, and, and you can have a new colony. We also, I, I say we, I will give my husband full credit. He has done quite a few bee rescues. Um, so in our area, honeybees like to live in water meter boxes and the utility company will post anytime there's a hive that needs a new home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have we have probably four or five hives that didn't cost anything other than than some really creative time. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. I wonder if our utility people have that kind of problem. I'll have to look into that. I would bet there's a honeybee rescue of some sort. Oh, there might be, and I don't know if there is one locally. Uh, well, cool. So those are all great tips. That's exactly what I was looking for. So. Here's my final question. It's kind of a doozy. If there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, Nona, a greener world, Nona, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about, which could be Whole Foods Kids, or it could be something different, or Whole Kids, uh, or a project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, on a global scale? And that could be kind of just what you just said. Yeah, you know, we're we're just so passionate about having a garden in every single school because we know that if we teach our kids from the time that they're young where food comes from and the importance of Mother Nature, we'll have uh, several next generations of healthier eaters, better consumers, and and our environment will benefit at every step of the way. And, you know, one of one of our, our student friends, I think, actually said it best. We were out in California at, at one of our gardens, and there's a young lady out there named Sally who, who gives a great lecture. There's actually a video of her on wholekidsfoundation.org. Um, but she said, you know, planting just one seed really can save the world. And, you know, if you think about it, the joy of, of a seed plus sun plus water that turns into food that can nourish us and give us better health, there's magic there. And I think everybody should get to participate in that and appreciate it. Aw, that was awesome. How about, I mean, you've been dropping tons of golden seeds. I don't know, sometimes I think I should take the second question out. But do you have like an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into the dirt and start their own garden? You know, I think... When you when you plant a seed, you just never know what will grow. You're, you can be certain that it will be something wonderful, whether it's a flower or a food. Um, but I think what grows within ourselves is the fun discovery. Um, I never, ever intended to lead an organization that supports school gardens in three countries. I just, I just wanted to dig in the dirt. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're adventurous and if you're curious, plant that seed and see what grows, not only in your backyard or your windowsill, but in your life. Aw, that was awesome. Uh, well, you've just been the most delightful guest and I know listeners are going to love this. And since you said you like to have conversations and I'm sure they're going to have some questions, do you want to tell them how to connect with you? Oh, you bet. Personally, um, I, I'm sort of a relic. I still like Facebook. So I'm just Nona Evans on Facebook. And then uh, Whole Kids Foundation is on all of the social media platforms, Instagram and, and Twitter and all those. So we're just Whole Kids Foundation. 
Um, or you can you can always reach us at uh, info at wholekidsfoundation.org. And probably importantly, if there is anybody who is listening that either wants their school to be engaged in gardening or is gardening and they want support, the grant application that we do every year is open September 1st to October 15th. So that's when you can get the dollars that we pledge. It's a $2,000 grant for each school garden. And uh, September 1 to October 15th is when you can apply for those funds. Ooh, that's great to know. I'll try to make me a note to replay this uh, like in August. Oh, fantastic. So for people. So, well, thanks so much. I think that's so funny because I've been thinking the same thing. I'm just old fashioned. I still like Facebook. (laughs) And that's like I'm getting to be like, yeah, it's getting to be, I guess, I don't know, our generation more than the kids now don't seem to like it as much. I think I can just handle one social media platform and that was the one I got on and <laughs> it's what's left. I don't know. It's the one I like the best. I like the Facebook groups that are on there. I like the white page. I like being able to share things. Like I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday about the benefit, like we were talking about Instagram versus Facebook. And I was like, the, one of the things that drives me crazy is that you can't really share things on Facebook. And I guess that's one of the things she likes about i mean on instagram like mike's always sharing things with me and helping me connect with other people and he's like hey check out this video and i just like i that's to me part of the power of facebook is being able to share things more that i don't see on instagram but that's just me i there's things about instagram i like there's things about pinterest i like there's things about different um places i like but facebook's definitely my first and foremost you're here well it, it it also is my garden shamer you know, the, the memories feature will, will throw up a great harvest that I had last year. And I'm like, oh, I didn't get that in the ground this year. So it's, it's good motivation, too. Yeah, I like the memories part, too. Well, thanks so much, Nona, for sharing with us today. And I'll let you know when the link is up. Well, it is, has been a pleasure. I so look forward to all the things that I will learn from your guests. And um, if anybody has any questions, I'd, I'd love to have a further conversation. Well, thanks, Nona. Take care. Join us for the fourth annual Free the Seeds Fair, Saturday, March 2nd, 9 to 3.30 at the Flathead Valley Community College Arts and Technology Building in Kalispell. As always, we'll be offering a free seed swap, 30 booths, and over 20 workshops of information and free resources just for you. And for kids ages 8 and up, we'll have activities all day long. So come on down, get some growing on, and it's free. Freegardencourse.com Uh, Mike and I have developed some lessons to help you create your very own organic oasis. We'll guide you through the steps to build your perfect natural landscape, an edible earth-friendly yard, a sustainable deep bed garden, or even start a small profitable market farm. We'll show you how to save time, lower your produce bill, collect usable data, eat healthy nutritious food with minimal labor, um, use the most effective and efficient production methods currently being used in backyard gardens as well as market farms, and maybe even help you find some profitable markets. We've designed it to save you time, lower your produce bill, and help you eat healthy, nutritious food. Um, there's checklists, there's outside reading, video assignments. Uh, you can join the online Facebook community where there's lots of people from around the world to help you get your garden started today. So remember, freegardencourse.com. Hey there, green future growers. Would you like your friends and neighbors to create an organic oasis too? Would you like others in your area to learn about earth-friendly practices for their gardens and yards? 
If so, we would love it if you would share the Organic Gardener podcast with your local community or college radio station today. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.